0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: If you've been with us, you know that we're in the upper room. It's Thursday night, the night of the Last Supper, the night Jesus would be arrested and taken to Golgotha or Golgotha and hung on the cross. And while Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room, Jesus has been telling them that he is leaving and that they can't come now. Well, the disciples are bewildered and befuddled and baffled. You haven't heard that word in a while, have you? Befuddled. Write it down. Befuddled. And baffled and confused because the one they loved and was willing to die for was going away. Chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be what, saints? Trouble. Trouble. We talked about this last week, and I'm going to encourage you, uh, if you missed this teaching, you should probably uh, stop by the bookstore as uh, we got a lot of good feedback uh, from this teaching uh, last week in John chapter 14. Verses one through six. If you were with us last week, you know that Jesus launches an entire chapter to comfort the disciples. Chapter 14, I told you, is known as the comfort chapter because Jesus is stacking comfort upon comfort upon comfort. And he tells them that he's going to leave, but he won't leave them orphans that he's going to send the comforter. And who is the comforter? The Holy Spirit. You know that this is the first promise of comfort. Well, this morning, this afternoon, Jesus continues to comfort the disciples by giving them three revelations of comfort. Got a pen? Three revelations of comfort. Number one, here's our outline for the day. Number one, the revelation of his person to them. The revelation of his person to them. We're going to find that in verses 7 through 11. And then number two, the revelation of his power in them. We'll talk about that in verse 12 his person to them, his power in them, and then finally the revelation of his promise for them, verses 13 and 14. Three revelations of comfort, his person to them, his power in them, and the revelation of his promise for them. I've titled this sermon, Jesus is God. Can somebody say amen? Jesus is God. Look at John chapter 14, saints. We pick up in verse 7. If you're looking at verse 7, say amen. Some of y'all ain't looking. If you're looking at verse 7, say I'm looking at verse 7. That's sweet. Gotta come like a child. That's sweet. I'm glad you're looking at verse 7, young person. Verse seven, Jesus says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it will be sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, Philip, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me? He who has seen me has what saints seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, Jesus says in verse 12, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And what saints? Greater works than these will he do. Because I go to the Father, and whatever, in verse 13, you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Here's why, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask most things in my name, anything in my name, I will do it. Saint, stop right there. Give me your attention. If you were with us last week, you know that the disciples are filled with worry and anxiety because Jesus is going away, as I said. And Jesus said, let not your hearts be terrazo." I told you last week the word Terrazo, T-A-R-A-S-O-O, is a Greek word for agitated or stirred up. Let not your heart be terrazo, agitated, or stirred up, Jesus said. He said, Jesus says, I know you're already troubled. Stop being troubled. That's how it reads in the Greek. I know you're already troubled. Stop being troubled. Get a grip. Remember, I told you this is a command and not a suggestion. I also told you when God gives you a command, he also gives you the built-in capacity to to follow through and keep that command. So when Jesus says stop being troubled and get a grip, that means a grip can be gotten. Somebody say a better amen than that. Verse 1, go ahead and look at it. Chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. Again, it's a command. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Verse 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. Verse 3, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come and receive you. Verse 4, where I go you know, and the way you know. Verse 5, Thomas said, Jesus, we don't know what you're talking about. Don't you love that? got to love Thomas. He keeps it 100. Amen. Thomas said, Jesus, we don't know what you're talking about, and we don't know where you're going, and we certainly don't know the way. And Jesus said in verse six, he says, somebody read it with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Point number one in our outline, the revelation of his person to them. Look at verse seven. Jesus said, if you would have known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, listen. Even after Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me, they are still not sure and not clear about the way. They're not sure how to get to the Father. They're not sure what God looks like. Jesus says, I'm going to God, and I'm going to take you to God. But they're uncertain about it. Their faith isn't that strong. And Jesus is saying, listen, you don't need to be confused about God because I am God. And if they know Jesus, they know God. Jesus said, I am the way to God. I am the truth of God. And I am the very life of God. And now he says, I am God. Notice six times, and I want you to check with me here, saints. Six times in these verses, Jesus says he and the Father are profoundly one. Stay with me. Look at verse 7. The first part, we'll call that A. Look at verse 7A. The first part, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And 7B, the second part, from now on, you know him and have seen him. Look at verse nine. We're talking about the father and Jesus are profoundly one. Verse nine, A, in response to Philip's request to see the father, Jesus said, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Verse nine, B, whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the Father? Look at verse 10a, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Verse 11a, the first part, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. In their confusion, Jesus says, you don't need to be confused about God. I am God. And if they know him, they know God. Jesus said in verse 7, go ahead and look at it. If you had known me, you would have known my father. Now, saints, listen, stay with me here. I'm not trying to bore you with the Greek, but you need to understand this. In the Greek language, this could read where it says, if you had known me. In the Greek language, this could read, if and it is, if and it might be, or if and it's not. Uh, You remember Jesus Uh, temptation in the wilderness. And you remember Satan said, if you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. Well, that if is if and it is because Satan knew that Jesus was the son of God. Somebody say amen. And here in verse seven, this if is if and it's not. In other words, if you had known me and you don't, you would have known my father. To some degree, they had some knowledge of Jesus, but it was limited. They declared him, you remember, they declared him to be the Messiah. They declared him to be the anointed one. You remember, Jesus said, hey, fellas, what's the word on the street about me? Matthew 16. Jesus said, hey, fellas, what's the word on the street about me? Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And the disciples said, well, some say that you're Uh, Elijah and some say you're that prophet and then Jesus said but who do you say that I am and don't you remember Peter piped up and said you are the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus said Pete you didn't come up with that on your own God gave that to you. My father gave that to you. Jesus is saying, if you knew the depth of my person, you know the father also. And the reason you are so puzzled about the father is because you have some loopholes in your understanding of me. Because if you fully knew me, you'd fully know the father. Are y'all still with me? Jesus says, when I'm talking to you about going to the father's house and there's a place for you there, you wouldn't worry about how to get there or the details if you really knew me. Because if you really knew me, you know the Father. Don't you remember John 10:30? Jesus said, I and the Father are what? One. You know, we've heard people, I don't know, have you heard people say that Jesus is a manifestation of God? Now I've heard people say that. Jesus is a manifestation of God. Listen, Jesus is not a manifestation of God. Jesus is not, are you listening? is not a manifestation of God. Jesus is God manifest. Uh, You need to write that down. Jesus is God manifest, and there's a difference. You see, the manifestation of God means that Jesus reflects God or that Jesus reflects the attributes of God or that Jesus is some small sample of God like a chip off the old block. Can I tell you something? Jesus is not a chip off the old block. Uh uh-huh, More than 10 people need to say amen. He's not a chip off the old block. Jesus isn't a manifestation of God. Jesus is God manifest. That means he is God in essence. I'm trying to help you with your theology here. You got to get this down, all right? He is God in essence. He is God in substance. One of my favorite verses in the New Testament is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, memory verse who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down, where saints? At the right hand of the majesty on high. Got a pen? Write this down. The word brightness is the Greek word effulgence. Effulgence, E-F-F-U-L-G-E-N-C-E, effulgence. And this word means the outshining. In other words, Jesus is the outshining or the radiator of the glory of God. He's not the reflector of the glory of God because a reflector bounces something off of something. Amen. 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 Pray for me. When you out running, some of y'all run at night. Don't know why you do that, but you run at night and you wear the clothes, the reflector clothes. Don't they have like the reflector clothes? Um, Yeah, they're called reflector clothes, I guess. And they got reflector stuff on them, right? And when you're out there running in the reflector clothes and a car comes by, they can see you because you have on the reflector clothes. You are reflecting. Light is bouncing off of something else. That's a reflector. Listen, Jesus is the radiator. The word radiate speaks of something from within. Are y'all tracking with me? He radiates the glory of the Father. Jesus is the perfect personal imprint of God in time and space. Jesus completely, perfectly represents God. He's not a manifestation of God. He is God manifest. Did you get that? And look at, I'm waiting while you clap your hands. That's all right. Come on, let's learn together. Let's grow together. Look at verse 7. Again, Jesus says, and from now on, you know him. Underline that word, those words, from now on, you know him and have seen him. So the question, what does Jesus mean when he says from now on? Well, there are a couple of two interpretations. The first possible interpretation is immediately. In other words, from this very moment, right now, on this evening before my death, You will know me. There's only one problem with that. They really didn't know him right then. Because in the very next verse, Philip says, Show us God, and that will be enough. So he still didn't know who Jesus was in a full sense. The other possible interpretation is it has a continuing future meaning. Now stay with me here. It has a continuing future meaning. You got to get this, got to understand this. The Greeks. Uh, in their grammar, they did a lot of things, and they talked about a lot of things in tenses. If you've been here at Calvary Chapel, you'd know that um, you'd hear me say uh, this is in the aortis tense, or this is in the perfect present tense, or this is in the past tense. Um, The Greeks spoke and wrote in tenses like past tense, present tense, future tense. And the Greeks often said things in the wrong tense. Many times they use the past tense to speak of a future event, and that was confusing. They would speak of future events as if they had already taken place. And maybe that's what's happening here. Jesus could be saying from now on in the future, a little while, you'll fully understand. We know that Jesus knows the end from the beginning. Somebody say amen. And Jesus knows the events that are going to take place in the coming days. And Jesus knew after the resurrection, and they would completely understand. As post-resurrection, they watched him eat, and they heard him speak. As they walked on the road to Emmaus, don't you remember? And Jesus, uh, they, they didn't know it was Jesus. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us when he opened unto us the scriptures? Does that happen to you? In your heart? When you read the word, is it like a burning? Is it like a a, a sensation, an excitement, a joy when you read the Bible? You go, oh, well, yeah, it's, it's all right. I tell you what, when God is speaking, your heart will burn within you. There'll be an excitement, there'll be a joy. They're walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus and they said, did not our hearts burn within us? That was post-resurrection. Well, I think of Thomas who would say, post-resurrection, my Lord and my God. Peter is going to preach the most powerful sermon to land on the ears of men. So later they will know that he is the one, that he is one with the Father. Look at verse eight. Philip is standing there scratching his head. He says, Lord, Show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been so long with you and yet you've not known me? What I wouldn't give to have a DVD of this scene. Because what you have to get here is the pathos. Pathos is Greek for passion. The passion, the pathos in the voice of Jesus the pathos in the eyes of Jesus, as Jesus would look at Philip and he would say, Philip, have I been so long with you and yet you have not known me? You got to wonder what was the look on Jesus' face? What was the tone in his voice when he said this to Philip? And think about it. Jesus has spent three and a half years with these guys and they were friends. Jesus poured his life into the 12. One was a traitor, one was a denier. The other 10 had little faith. And now it's the night before his death, and they still don't believe. And Philip says, show us God, and we'll be satisfied. You know, not much has changed these days. There's a, there's a little bit of Philip in all of us, isn't there? Lord, show us, and we'll be satisfied. You know, people want to see God all the time, don't they? People have even told me, you know, if I could see God, then I would believe. People say, well, if I could see a miracle, then I will believe. Can I tell you something? Seeing a miracle is not going to cause you to believe. Uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Seeing a miracle is not going to cause you to believe. Seeing something miraculous is not going to cause you to believe. You're not going to be satisfied. I remember uh, so many years ago before I came into ministry, um, my wife used to always tell me, Rodney, you are running from God. She's always telling me, Rodney, you running from God. You know, I was doing music ministry and children's ministry, and I was serving the Lord. And she goes, Ronnie, you know you are running from God. And she was right, but that's beside the point. You know. <laughs> she said, yeah. I'm running hard as I can. And uh, she, she, and, then, and then my mom, she before I was in the ministry, before I was like, you know, really preaching and that kind of thing, you know, my mom would be like, Ronnie, you are running from the Lord. You know God got a call in your life. Boy, you need to submit to God, and you ain't never going to be happy until you submit to the Lord. I'm like, woo! So get my mother and my wife together, and it's like, ah! You are running from God. You are running from God. They would always say that and tell me that, you know. So this one time I'm out in Southern California, and this is years ago, and I'm in uh, Lake Elsinore, California, and I'm walking into the Home Depot. I'll never forget this. I'm walking into the Home Depot, and these two little black ladies were walking in too. They're about this high. And uh, (laughs) these two little black ladies walking in, you know, when little old ladies are coming in, you know, they ain't but this high. You won't let them go ahead of you. So they, you know, the doors open up, and I'm like, you know, you look at people kind of cordially and go, "Hey, how you doing?" after you, after you. So the ladies are walking ahead, and all of a sudden, this little lady, she started looking all up, up beside my head. So she's like doing like this here. She's going, she's looking all around my neck like this here. I'm looking at her fire like, what is going on? What is that? My wife back there? What's going on? I mean, I'm. Just, she's looking at me like this. She's going. She's looking around, just looking around. She all of a sudden she goes, "You a preacher?" "You a preacher?" I went, "No, I'm not a preacher." I looked at her like, "Is there something wrong? This is this awkward?" She goes, "You a preacher?" She goes, "No." I said, "No." She goes, well, "You got a fat neck like a preacher." And this of course I mean I was like a lot heavier then and she goes you got a fat net like a preacher and I said I I didn't know whether that was a compliment I'm thinking is that a compliment what 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 is that you know she said you know you just look like a preacher and 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 you know and 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 I remember saying to my wife I said you know, I never wanted to be in ministry. Listen, there is nobody more surprised that I am in ministry preaching the word of God here on June 15, 2014, on Father's Day here at Calvary Chapel than me. I am shocked. Matter of fact, people who know me from my neighborhood, when they find out I'm a preacher, they laugh. <laughs> They're like, that can't be right. That can't be. Right. Rodney? Rodney, you're right. And I remember telling my wife, I said, you know what? I, I tell you what. When God called me to be a preacher, God is going to show up at the foot of my bed and he's going to say, Rodney, that's my God voice. Rodney, I'm calling you to the ministry. You must go. If you don't, I will burn you up. I'm working here. Something like that. I never really wanted to be in the ministry because I, I you know, I, I realized that I had pastors who were, were friends and, and who were, who were fr- pastors who were in the ministry and they were friends. And, and I could see that. Listen, the ministry is not something you can prepare for. I don't care how many cemeteries, I mean, seminaries you go to. And I don't care how many MDIVs that you get, you cannot prepare to do this. This is a calling. This is something that God, uh, this is something that God has to equip you for and something that God has to call you to. And if God doesn't equip you and God doesn't call you and God doesn't send you, you are laboring in vain. I don't care how good an orator you are. This is a calling. God has to equip you for this. I remember some years ago, this this guy he he got mad at me for something, uh, again, and um, and I remember him saying to me, he goes, you know what? He says that he was leaving the church, and uh, some people are blessed with subtractions, hallelujah. He says he he goes, uh, I, I, you know, I just I'm leaving because I just don't think you know what you're doing. You just don't know what you're doing. And I said to him, I said, duh. <laughs> I know that. I don't know what I'm doing. Amen. Tell me something I don't know. I don't pretend to know what I'm doing. Listen, I am showing up and I have not. Listen, for those of you that may be disgruntled because I don't know what I'm doing, let me help you. Okay? I don't. All right? I am showing up teaching the Word of God trusting the Holy Spirit will take the seed of this word and plant it in your heart and do with it what he does with it best. Once I'm done with that, I'm out.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.